Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. It is indeed a privilege to be with you guys today. And uh, uh, General Counsel was amazing. Uh, I would agree with Pastor. It's, I haven't been to a lot of them, but it was amazing. It was such a good time. And one of the things that I really appreciated about it is at our national level, uh, we took time to, to have prayer for healing, prayer for uh, families that have lost loved ones, prodigal sons. And what was the third thing? We had three major things I forget right now. Yeah, the weight of ministry. People have ministry hurts. Pastors sometimes get those. <laughs> Not your pastor. <laughs> but uh, discouraged, you know, ministers that are just... And it was an incredible prayer time. I just love that. So it's, a, it's such a privilege to be here. Thank you for sharing your pulpit. Pastor, appreciate that. My wife and I, my wife is here this morning. Uh, I might ask her to come up here in a little bit if that's okay. A little bit later, share a little bit, and she's with me. We've been in Alaska for 25 years doing ministry, and and, uh, your church here has been supporting us for quite a while, and uh, we really appreciate that. We wouldn't be able to stay and do ministry if it wasn't for partners like you guys that were praying for us and were giving all the time and helping us out that way. And we're so appreciative to, to, to giving the special projects as well. So uh, we have a few slides that we'll show for briefly, I guess, here in the, in the building. Welcome to those that are online, and hopefully this will all work for you. Uh, I, I have three things that I typically work, uh, that I spend time working on in Alaska. The first one is the, I'm the Alaska Home Missions Director. So what that really means, there's uh, churches that are missions churches in Alaska, that don't have leadership, they don't have the, they're not, you know, they're not strong enough to have local leadership and so forth. And so I'm the first level of support for them. And so I help the, I serve the superintendent and the district with that. Also, uh, Camp Achayetum, that's how you say it. Achayetum Nune. It's a Yupik Eskimo word for it means the place of God uh, out in Western Alaska. And we'll, we'll see a little bit of, of video from that here in a, in a couple minutes. And the third thing that I get to work on is um, with outreach ministry. So that's an exciting thing that we get to do as well. So I do want to show that picture of the, so of the villages that we're targeting because we have cards out there. If you guys would show that for just a minute. So in the foyer, my wife put them out somewhere, she told me. We have these uh, villages that we've targeted with prayer and resources. We have four prayer points there. So when I accepted this uh, assignment as the home missions director, we started researching villages in Alaska, trying to find out where our truly unreached villages were. Interact Ministries did a study like in, you know, uh, tw- over 20 years ago. And we knew that that list is needed to be updated. And I started... Uh, we started with that, trying to, we were going to publish a list of unreached villages, and the further we got into it, the more we realized how hard that was to, to really know without somebody being there in person. 
And uh, there's not very many roads in Alaska. It's a huge state, 1,420 miles north to south, 2,400 east to west. And there's only roads in a very small part. And uh, travel is very expensive and time-consuming. And, you know, without getting somebody into every village, we, we just didn't really know how we would come up with this. So we ended up with those 13 that you saw there, locations in Alaska, where when we were uh, calling and we were talking to people in these villages, that they asked us to come. They was like, we want you to come. I could show you emails where... Uh, Stony River, get an email from Stony River. There's 54 people in Stony River. And they said, please, please, please. There was a double please. Please, please come to our village. Now, you, you might look at this and go, you're going you're gonna to put resources and time into people, into a village of 54 people. Well, of course we are. If, if, you were, if you were related to those, part of those 54 people, would you like somebody to come tell your relatives about Jesus? Well, yes, we are. We're going to go towards, uh, we're uh, getting the gospel into every village in Alaska. So I'd appreciate it if you pick up one of those cards out there. It's the most important thing that you can do today is pray that, pray for those locations, for workers. Uh, we need workers. We need, we're, we're praying the Nome camp meeting in 2019, God just really challenged me. We were praying for workers. We've been praying for workers for a long time. And uh, the Holy Spirit really challenged me to kick the tent pegs out and believe really big. And I don't mind telling you what that was. Uh, the Holy Spirit instructed me to start praying for 300 workers in the next 10 years. Because if we're really going to reach all of every village, every person in Alaska, we need workers. We need people that will come. And uh, after 2019, praying that prayer, last week, while we were down here, we had a commissioning service for our first round of missionary school teachers that have been recruited. We have our Chi Alpha department that has actually uh, created a nonprofit for missionary school teachers and recruiting them and we, we had a commissioning service for our first missionary school teachers to go in villages in Alaska. So we're believing for a lot more workers. If you would pick up one of those cards and, and join us in prayer on that. And I really do appreciate your, your giving towards uh, special projects. If, if it works, then we have a video that will show of uh, uh, our facilities, our stuff out at Camp A. And is it going to work, the video? Uh, BGMC, Coins for Kids, uh, how many, several years ago, I don't remember what year, uh, started raising funds for us in uh, the tabernacle that you're going to see in this video. If you would just go ahead and roll it whenever, if it does work. And they started uh, raising funds for us, and we were able to build this 50 by 100 a facility out in western Alaska. You have to realize this uh, Camp AN, as we say, because... It's a little harder to say, so Camp A-N means the place of God. It's located on the western coast of Alaska on the Yukon River, 17 uh, miles from the village of Imanic. And the only way to get there is by boat. I mean, it's the only way you uh, boat in the winter, snow machine. We say snow machine in the 
for snow, what you would, some would say snowmobile. In, uh, in the winter, you can get there by a snow machine. And uh, we're, I would think we were just, I, the building, the facilities, a lot of those you guys have personally invested in. And even, there were, I think there's some blood in some of the shower houses that some people came up and helped swing a hammer and build those shower houses, literally. Is anybody here this morning that, that came on that group? And that's been a long time ago. Hey, pastors here for sure. So we want to thank you guys for all of that. This is a new building that we're able to build with a sawmill that the Royal Ranger team uh, got us. You know, it's, it's interesting. We get logs out of the river. You see these willows around, but the logs we get come, God gives us from, from Canada, from, you know, over a thousand miles up river, or, or it can be closer, but uh, we get logs out of the river and, and we're able to uh, make facilities. So we're planning to build uh, dorm buildings and uh, go forward with that. So t- two weeks ago, uh, well, so like three weeks ago, we got to go out. The village of Imanic, uh, the native corporation, uh, gave us permission to come in. Uh, we had to have permission because they control the travel. Like right now, a lot of villages are closed. They, they don't let people travel in. Uh, they gave us permission to come in and do work. We weren't able to do full-blown camp with kids and youth and family. But we were able to work on the buildings. And on Sunday... We were able to uh, open the building up and allow, and we invited people out. So you'll see here just uh, in a second, we had uh, 10 boats. There's 10 boats in that line there. 10 boats of people came out for that Sunday night service, and we had just the most amazing time, the presence of God there. So uh, just an incredible thing to be a part of, and we so appreciate um, all the years of giving and support and, and fundraising that's gone into that. So glory to God for that. You, get a, you guys deserve a, a, an applause. Thank you. Thank you for giving. You see that building there? You know, uh, it's 240, 240-some-thousand dollars that Coins for Kids BGMC raised for us. So uh, glory to God. That's such an amazing thing to be a part of. It all started when your pastors were there. It was all in... In, in, in circus tents. It was all literally intense. In the shower houses, what, two? We had one on each end. We had two shower stalls for the men and two for the women or boys and girls. And so the big shower buildings on each end and a lot of this stuff you guys have been personally a part of and I appreciate that very much. So this morning, the, the remainder of my time I'd like to share with you from something that happened that I experienced and went through. And, uh, you know, we, we don't plan for things to happen. Sometimes uh, they come at us from unexpected places and unexpected areas. And, and at the, at the end, towards the end of uh, 2019, I had started uh, having, uh, feeling this sensation when I, when I sometimes when I swallowed like a vitamin or something that things just like was really slow going down and and it just was getting worse and getting worse and right after the first of the year the, the you know COVID was locked down and uh, doctor the doctor was working with me and and actually our state was closed all of the there was not supposed to be any medical procedures and my uh, I had a a Christian doctor. 
And he, uh, my main doctor that I was seeing at that time, and he uh, pushed it through. They ignored the governor's <laughs> declaration that everything was supposed to be closed, and they got me into an appointment because they thought it was serious. And sure enough, it was. We came away from that appointment finding out that I had a diagnosis of esophageal cancer. And I was not expecting to hear that. You know how it is. You're, you're living life. You're going on. In fact, I was... I was, as the, what's the saying, healthy as a horse? I mean, I, I still have, you know, great blood pressure, but my blood pressure, my cholesterol, I mean, you can, I didn't have anything. I mean, I was like a picture of health other than having this diagnosis of esophageal cancer. So, so immediately, uh, even driving across town that day, uh, God started speaking to us and God started reassuring us and he spoke to my wife, he spoke to me, he said, he's like, I got this. this. This is not out of my reach. My arm's not too short. I have this. It, you know, don't, you know, don't, uh, don't get upset. I've got this. And uh, that's easy to uh, give in to fear when those kind of things come, isn't it? Some of you in here have probably faced those same kind of things where you have uh, bumped up against a crisis and it seems like the world just everything just dropped off and it's like you weren't planning for that and all of a sudden you're it, it just looks like it's you know it, it is it's impossible without God and but that that uh, starting that drive across town it started a whole journey through us and that journey actually had began a couple of years before uh, where God started doing this really deep, deep work in both my wife and I. And I could, I could talk a lot about what he was doing. You know, Pastor, it was like every... I had never felt more anointing. I had never felt closer to God. And it, just, it was just incredible. Our prayer life, our, my, our devotional life, my wife and I, and just what we were doing. And, and then God was preparing us because he, in, in his all-knowing ability, he knew that there was a battle ahead of us. So we had, uh, we had choices to make on how we were going to deal with that. So I, sh I shared a, a little bit about this Bible this, this morning. I'll sh I might share just a little bit more. The first service, the, this Bible was really new when this happened, and I didn't have any, I, I don't think I had any markings in it. And it was one I had just got started carrying. And the first thing that, I, that we did is we decided we were not going to give in to fear. We were not giving in to fear. We were going to respond in faith. We were going to run to God. You know, you can, you can either turn your back on him and get mad because something happened to you or upset, or you can start blaming God for, you know, why did you let this happen to me, or those kind of comments that some of us might say. And uh, we decided we were going to run to God in faith. And I, I got this, this, is, this Bible out, and I started in Genesis, and I started highlighting every single verse that has to do with healing. And all I did was, I just, we, you know, the, the TV was off, the, every, everything was shut off. And all I did, we just concentrated on healing scriptures, what the Bible says about healing. And that became our lives. Like, just what does this word of God say about healing and declaring that over us? And so when it came time for 
for me to go to the hospital, I took this Bible with me. And I'm going to share in a minute of the, the one of the passages that he spoke and encouraged me with. But I took this Bible to the hospital with me. And when they were checking me into the hospital, and they were taking me in for surgery, you know, I had this Bible. I would pick out a passage. I would pick out a healing passage, and I would, and I would just, I had lay it over me, and I would just pray that that word of God, just declare that healing over me. And they took me into the pre-op room, and and they said, "You can't take that in with you." And I said, "Well, if this doesn't go, I don't go." You know, when when I was at home, this became so special. I I. I don't mind telling you, I fell so in love with this Word of God that I wouldn't even go in the other room in my house without it. Why would I go to the operating room without it? Why would I, I couldn't have my wife there? It's like, you tell me I can't have my wife, she can't come see me. She never did get to go to appointments or go see me. I said, if it doesn't go, I don't go. Where it goes, I go, period. There's no, they're like, you really would turn this, you, you turn this down because of that Bible? And I said, you don't know how important this is. You know how important this is? This is the very words of God on these pages. This is what brings life and healing. It brings restorations. It brings all of our answers to life. I said, I said, yeah, it's that important. If it doesn't go, I don't go. Well, they let me take it. They actually, every procedure, everything I went to, I, I took this Bible in. When they, they did the third surgery in nine days, the third major surgery, I had a passage picked out, and um, I'm, I'm told that they stopped in the operating room, and they read that passage. They read that passage over me. One of the surgeons volunteered to read it, and I had one of the nurses look me up later and said that was the most special thing they've ever been a part of in their life, was reading this passage over me before they they stopped. Everybody stopped before they did that surgery and read that over me. So I'm thankful for this Word of God. It's It's our source, isn't it? It's the very written words of God. It spoke to me so deeply in 2 Kings chapter 3, I want to read this whole story. Then, and God just really uh, ministered to me uh, through that time with, with, a, with several passages, but this was one of the most, uh, most powerful stories that he used to bring strength and encouragement to go through the fight that we went through and on, on defeating cancer. My superintendent introduced me last week to a friend of his, and he said, he said, Terry, uh, Jesus and Terry defeated cancer. <laughs> yes, Jesus and Terry defeated cancer. I stand here cancer-free today. Praise God. Praise God. Second Kings chapter 3. And starting in verse 5, if you want to follow along, uh, I'm just, we'll just uh, read through this whole story. I know it's a lot of scriptures, but we, I want to get, get you the context of it. And it says, But after Ahab's death, the king of Moab, re- 
rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Joram promptly mustered the army of Israel and marched from Samaria. On the way, he sent this message to King Jehoshaphat of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you join me in battle against him? And Jehoshaphat replied, well, of course. You and I are as one. My troops are your troops. My horses are your horses. Then Jehoshaphat asked, what route will we take? Will we attack the wild- from the wilderness of Edom? Joram replied, the king of Edom and his troops joined them, and all three armies traveled along a roundabout route through the wilderness for seven days. But there was no water for the men or their animals. Verse 10, what should we do? The king of Israel cried out, the Lord has brought the three of us here to let the king of Moab defeat us. But King Jehoshaphat of Judah asked, is there no prophet of the Lord with us? If there is, we can ask the Lord what to do through him. One of King Joram's officers replied, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to be Elijah's personal assistant. Jehoshaphat said, yes, the Lord speaks through him. So the king of Israel, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, and the king of Edom went to consult with Elisha. And Elisha, he says, why are you coming to me? Elisha asked the king of Israel, go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. But King Joram of Israel said, no, for it was the Lord who called us three kings here. And then here's his negative part. He says, only to be defeated by the king of Moab. Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother you except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Now bring me someone who can play the harp. And while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. You will see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord. But this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves, your cattle, and other animals. And in verse 18, but this water in a desert, enough water for everybody, says this is only a simple thing for the Lord, for he will make you victorious over the army of Moab. And then in verse 20, it says, The next day, about the time when the morning sacrifice was offered, water suddenly appeared. It was flowing from the direction of Edom, and soon there was water everywhere. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I am incredibly thankful for this opportunity to stand here and share, share from your word, share from what you've done. And also, I just ask that you would encourage people through this testimony. Lord, I know that there's some here today that are going to be healed because you're a God that heals. You bring healing in lives. And Lord, as we go through this scripture, I pray, God, that you would speak to us, 
And I ask for an increase of faith in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. So this revolt, this uh, challenge was a normal thing for kings to do in that day. So when a new ruler would come on the scene, the uh, kings, the surrounding nations would get together to see how strong they actually were, right? To see if they could hold their own. And so they, uh, they would rally and fight and so forth. So this new king, Joram, he, he had, he had uh, rallied troops. He got together uh, people to join him. He had other faults, but at least he rallied the troops and he, he, he got people around him to go, hey, let's go fight these guys. So it says, it, it's interesting, he says he, he didn't attack Moab from the north. That would be the expected route. It's the short way. It's what people would normally do. He went on the, in the New Living Translation there, says the roundabout route. He went a different way. He went around the other side. And I haven't been to the Holy Land, but I started looking up what that desert, where they went and what that, that, that area was like. And in today's uh, climate right now, uh, the average rainfall right where they were is four inches per year in this area. So they had gone in this place. It's, it's a desert. I'm, I haven't ever lived in a desert. We live in Alaska and we have water everywhere. You know, we, we, you know they, we're not concerned about fresh water to drink. Our, our kids, we have, we have a daughter and son-in-law and grandkids in California. They ration water in California. They're running out of water. And we just have it everywhere. We just have the best water and incredible water. It is all over. It's such a foreign thing. But to live in a place where you get two inches per year or to be in a place... You get two inches per year and everybody, all of your animals, all your people here, there's no water. And it was a desperate situation. If you want to, you know, kind of look back at that, it's like, and that's the way it is. We, we bump up against a crisis. This thing comes, that diagnosis comes, and it's like impossible. It's like, oh my goodness, this is going to take us out. You can respond with fear like that and say that. And we read in this passage where King Joram, he did respond with fear. Verses 10 and 13, he's, he's like, well, God just brought us here to kill us. Well, God didn't bring you there to kill you. He brought you there to provide for you if you'll trust in him. And, and King Jehoshaphat responded in faith. He says, let's see what God says about this. You know, when, when uh, we are facing that difficult time, that crisis, we have a choice to make. We can look towards the, the solver of the problem, the solution, or we, can, uh, and, or we can give in to fear. We can run away. Um, we decided right away that Denine, she, she works for Alaska Airlines. She still does. She was thinking about retiring from there. Uh, you, you don't, they, you just have to... Uh, have like, uh, what is it, 10 years worth of work experience in, and they can retire with lifetime benefits. And she was thinking about doing that and traveling with me more. And, but she just, you know, got the Holy Spirit told her, no, you need to stay there. She has quite a ministry there. But we decided we were not going to give a place for fear in our lives. And she went back to work. It's like, we are going to live life. We're not like curling up in a hole and hiding somewhere. We refuse to give the devil that. We're not just giving in. We're going to fight. 
We're going to fight, fight, fight. And, and we're going to live our lives. We're not going to let, uh, let fear overrun us. And the enormity of the problem, the, just the, how big it appears, and it, it can be so daunting. It can be intimidating, can it? That we, we need to like turn and run to God and respond in faith. You know, faith is, is really trusting in God where fear is like not trusting God, right? Faith is like knowing. It's like knowing that God has this. You know, he spoke to us right away that he's got this. So first of all, I would say that um, this is an easy point, is our God is able to take care of us. I think we probably would all agree with that, most everybody. There's nothing too hard for him to do. <laughs> he is able to do anything. There's nothing out of his reach. I quoted that, your, arm, nothing, your arm's not too short. It uh, comes from Jeremiah. There's no thing that God can't touch. There's nothing out there. You know, I, I, I tell you that story because when I read those words, this is a, is a simple thing. A simple thing. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, uh, healing from cancer is no different than healing from a cold. You know, we tend, to, we tend to categorize things and think, oh, wow, that's a big one. I don't, can we really, wow, I don't know. God, do you really have that? I mean, we may not like verbalize that, but that's what we think. Oh, this is huge. It's like, this is, but it's no different to him. Healing is healing, no matter what you're going through. It's all the same. God is able to take care of us. There is no thing, there's nothing that he can't reach, touch, or do. So I would say that God is in complete control of creation. There's nothing in heaven or on earth that's out of his control. Amen. Nothing. He is in control of everything. You know, COVID, he didn't get surprised by COVID and go, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? <laughs> he doesn't, it, he is able to control. There's nothing he can't reach. In fact, if you remember the sun, moon, and the stars, he spoke them into existence. There's an instance in Second Kings where uh, King Hezekiah, if you remember the story for those that grew up in church, probably holders in Sunday school, he was pleading for his life and and God said he was going to heal him. He was going to give him, was it 10 more years, Pastor? I should have looked that up. 15 years. I knew that was wrong as soon as I said that. He's going to give another 15 years. And he asked him, what kind of proof do you want? He gave him choices. And he said, he says, I'll take the sundial going backwards. The sun, God caused the sun to go backwards. Like this universe. It's such an intricate thing. You know, if you've... If you ever listen to scientists, people that really know their stuff, they talk about how, how detailed the, the axis of the earth and everything is so precise. God stopped that, everything and, and caused the sun to go backwards uh, up the steps for 10 steps. So there's no thing he can't touch. There's nothing he can't reach. The sun, moon, and the stars, the earth, wind, and the waves. In Matthew, or Mark, excuse me, chapter 4, there's a story where Jesus was going across the boat in a lake and the wind and the waves came up and the waves are crashing and the disciples got scared and 
and uh, this has seemed overwhelming to them. They, in fact, they, they were, it says that they were afraid they were going to die, and they woke Jesus up. Well, there's several, we could preach just on that. Jesus is sleeping, and they were afraid they were going to die. All right? You get the idea here? He was sleeping, and they were like, oh, we're going to die. <laughs> That'll preach right there. <laughs> he, and they woke him up, and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and it says, he said, silence, be still, peace, be still. And immediately, the Bible says, it stopped, it ceased. So the earth, the wind, the waves, humanity, it's all under God's control. In Jeremiah 32, 27, it says, I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is there anything too hard for me? God says, is there anything too hard for me? There is not. That's right, brother. There is no thing, nothing is too hard for God. Even our bodies, physically. I used the illustration earlier of Sarah. Sarah and Abraham, they didn't have a son. And she was, it was medically impossible. She was past her age, all of this stuff. And, and an angel told them, and I'm going to return in a year, and you're going to have a child. And sure enough, she did. She had a son. There is no thing out of his reach. So this thing, whatever this is, whatever you're, you may have that today, you might have gotten some diagnosis, you might have something you're facing, you might have something that's ahead of you that you're like, wow, it's just impossible, I just can't, it's like, can God even, can God even touch this? Is it even possible? Yes, it is, because there's nothing that he can't touch. It's only a simple thing for him even. Just like, you know, we read in that passage, the next day, there was water everywhere. In a place where, they, it, you know, in a desert, there's water everywhere. So, it says in, um, in Zechariah 8, 6, it says, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says, all this may seem impossible to you now. Wow. It does, doesn't it? When you're, when you're facing down a great... A um, obstacle, a great challenge, a great uh, trial, a, a mountain. We call it Denali, you know, the Mount McKinley in Alaska. Is, it's over 20,000 feet. You can see it from uh, 300 miles away on a clear day. There's not very many days you can see it that far because it, it kind of creates its own weather thing even. But it, sometimes that mountain, whatever is in front of you, just looks so imposing. You're like... Wow, it seems impossible, and it is. It's impossible for us. It's not impossible for God. It's possible for Him. And it goes reading on here. It seem, it, all this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people. But is it impossible for me, says the Lord of Heaven's army? And then in verse 9 of that passage, it says, This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says Be strong. And finish the task. Finish the task. Be strong. We, we read so many times where, in the Bible where uh, different people were coming into places of authority. And we read where it says, be strong and courageous. Remember those instances? Be strong and courageous. Many times. Be strong and courageous. So what's that really talking about? It's like it, it's saying for us, 
to take action, to, to decide we're going like, to step up to the plate here. We're not going to cower back. We're not going to run away from this. We're going to step up. We're going we're gonna to do something. And I started reading everything I could about faith and, and, and discovering what I could. You know, how, where does faith come from? How do you get more? Where is it? You know, I wanted, you know, you're facing an intense, like uh, fighting for my life, right? So I didn't tell you when, they, when I first got that diagnosis, they told me they thought that I might have a, a, a cancer in my lower right lung. They took a place out, they took, the, took it off and tested, it wasn't. But they, they said, if that's cancer, you have a 3% chance of living five years, of making it to five years from right now. Well, that'll really hit you, right? <laughs> that, that will really get to your brain if you let it. And we decided we were going to just stand strong in faith. Stand strong in faith. And one of those, one of the uh, side effects that uh, I came through that entire process through, I, I, I spent 21 days in intensive care in hospital in Anchorage. And uh, I had, they had done, uh, three, like I said, three surgeries. I had gotten sepsis. It turned to septic shock. And it was, it all went bad, right? It was, looked really grim. And I came home and uh, my heart would race when I came home from, from intensive care. So that my wife got off, uh, two months off work and she, they took her to the hospital and they trained her how to take care of me. They had COVID patients around. They wanted my bed and they wanted me out of there. And uh, so I got to go home from intensive care and she took care of me. And they told me they wanted me to continue walking. Well, walking was quite a challenge and my heart would race with sepsis. They told me with sepsis, you're always gonna have heart problems, right? They just, they kept telling me all these things that you're gonna be and I kept thinking, I kept saying, no, I'm not. In Jesus' name, I'm not that. And they uh, said, you need to walk. So Denine got me this uh, watch band that, that, that monitors my heart, right? It heart rate. And I started getting on the treadmill and started walking and, and I could walk really slow. I could just barely move and just a little bit and my heart would just skyrocket, right? And I'd get on the treadmill and I'd start walking and I'd do what I could and I kept declaring to my heart, I said, heart in the name of Jesus, you must obey the word of God. The word of God says that you're healed. You must obey the word of God. You must slow down now. I kept doing that. I kept getting off of the couch and I kept exercising my faith. I started putting my faith into action. I started doing something about it and I started declaring the word of God over my body and say, body, you have to mind. You have to obey the word of God. You must come and you have no choice. You must obey the word of God. And uh, you know what? After a few weeks, uh, I was able to walk so, so long, so fast and so long, I actually burnt that treadmill up. <laughs> yeah, we had to go, she went and, Denine went and bought me one that's like a, it's like one that you have at some of the clubs you go work in. I, I can run on it now. <laughs> Praise God. He healed my heart. 
I have another story that I'll just share while I'm on that vein. I, I, I came through that, that whole thing and I became like severely lactose intolerant. It bothered, it was, you couldn't have the tiniest bit of anything with dairy or it was bad. And I tolerated that. Why do we tolerate things, friends? Why do we just let it keep going? I tolerated that for a long time, for weeks. I don't know how many weeks it was. I have it journaled somewhere. I didn't look it up before this. But one day I was getting a snack out of the refrigerator and my wife was at work and I, I looked over here in the right, there's our cheese drawer. So I just, you know, Tillamook cheese, if you're from the Northeast, Tillamook, you know, woohoo, <laughs> just love cheese. I see the cheese down there. Well, I used to, and it's like, you know what? That's enough of this garbage. I got a piece of the cheese out. I took a picture of it. The Bible says where two or three agree, right? I took a picture of it. I texted it to my wife. It said, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to eat this, and it's not going to bother me. I'm going to be healed from this lactose thing. And, and I did, and it didn't bother me. And I've been eating cheese or dairy, whatever. I can do as much of that as I want. Finish this test. Be strong. Step up. Activate your faith. There's a, a powerful author. I could, I could get you the name of the book. I was talking about faith. I read every, I'm going through the Bible. I'm just devouring everything I can about faith. And it was a book that was published in the 30s. And this, this man says there's, there's passive faith and there's active faith. There's like putting feet to your faith. Like stepping out and just like doing something about it. Like like taking a risk, like stepping towards it, fighting, being strong. Faith is not just believing God's able, but believing he will. God is willing to take care of us. That's my second point. Um, uh, he is willing to take care of us. He's willing to be our guide. He's willing to be our companion. I have a lot of scriptures on these things. He's willing to be our protector. He'll fight for us. So many times he says, God says, I will fight this battle for you. You know, uh, early on, the second night after that diagnosis, I, I had the most incredible experience in my life. I was, I had, I was uh, in bed trying to go to sleep, and I have to say, it's hard to sleep when you're facing these things. I was like, I need to sleep. I'm having trouble sleeping laying in bed and I listened to this worship song that a Samoan family in Anchorage is singing and, and it talked about, you know, hold me close, wrap your arms of love around me. And I prayed and I said, God, I know I can face any battle anywhere. I can take on anything that there ever will be if I just know that you're with me. If I just know you're with me, I can face this down. And in a little bit, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, angels are coming. So I did like anybody would. I got up and opened all the doors. <laughs> I don't know. Just jump in my brain. I just did it. I opened all the doors in our house because we closed a lot of the doors. And I stood in the living room and I said, Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, you're welcome to do anything that you want to. You just come. You just do whatever you want. You're welcome. And I prayed, what do I do next? You know, good person, pray. Yeah, what do I do now, God? And I just felt like I just need to go back to bed. And I went and lay down. And sure enough, God sent me ministering angels 
that night. So for an hour, it's just like everything, how did I know? I didn't like physically see, but I just know everything in the room and about the room in my everything changed. There was no dark anywhere. It was just brilliant. And I don't, oh, there's not even words to describe what I felt for an hour. I just felt the glory of God just sweeping over my body. God is there with us. I was telling, after the first service, I was telling people, this, this crisis, this health issue was the first time in our lives that God didn't like instantly bring instantaneous healing. I know that might sound weird to some of you, but God's always done that for us. It's the first major one when, when our daughter was five years old. God healed her of leukemia, just total 100% healing. There was no medical, there was nothing left of it. Uh, there's been many miracles since then. But this time was different. It was a different process that I walked through. But God, nonetheless, God brought healing. I stand here today healed. And almost, according to my oncologist, uh, according to the doctors, they look at me and they say, you shouldn't be alive and you shouldn't be in this condition. <laughs> you shouldn't even be here. So I'm going to kind of backtrack if Deneen will come up a little bit, talking about faith. You know, that was quite a journey for the two of us. And God started working ahead of time, like I mentioned, a couple of years ahead. And he started building our faith and started increasing our faith. And I want you to see from her perspective of how faith played out in this. You know, from, from day one, when Terry was given the diagnosis, um, the doctor actually wasn't supposed to allow me in when he w was letting us know. And mm -hmm. he told the nurses, I don't care what everything says, you're bringing her in here because it, it's both of them. Not just him, but both. It affects them both. So he brought us in and told us the diagnosis. And like Terry said on the way home, we were about three quarters of the way home and we hadn't spoke a lot because we were stunned. Yeah. You know, <gasps> in shock. You know, in right. shock. And, uh, Total shock. And this overwhelming peace came over me and over him. And, and he said, you know, God's got this. That's what I was feeling in my heart. He's like, I got this. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. We didn't know we'd have to go through so much. Mm. But he gave me that such peace and there was no fear the entire time. September 23rd, 2020, Terry had gone into septic shock and about 1.08 in the morning, I'm at work. I work a night shift. And I get a text from him, and all it says is, pray, pray, pray. And I knew that it was serious. So I immediately started praying. I have the best coworkers ever. Because I stepped out of the room I was in, and they're like, don't worry about it. We got you. You know, we'll take care of what you're supposed to do. Just do what you need to. 
So I started praying, and I knew at that point that uh, I didn't know if he could talk to me. He had already had his first surgery, and he had difficulty um, talking. And right. But I still had that peace. But I still went ahead and, and prayed, and uh, there wasn't any fear there. But I ended up calling him. I'm like, what's going on? And he was telling me how much pain he was in. And um, so I knew it was bad. And they, I actually had to hang up because they had brought in a team of doctors and nurses. And they were working on him just to keep him alive. And he was packed on ice because his fever was so high and his heart was racing because... Um, of the septic shock and they were afraid he was going to have a heart attack so I had to get off the phone and all I could do was pray the rest of the night well, early that morning the doctor called me and he said I just need you to know we're taking him in for emergency surgery he's full of infection um, and he's probably not going to make it I just need to let you know he's probably not going to make it so I just continued to pray throughout the day because I couldn't go to the hospital because of um, COVID. They wouldn't let me in, never got to go in. 21 days in ICU, I never got to go in. He made it through surgery. The doctor called again and he said, well, he made it through, but I don't think he'll make it through the night. So with that, I still had that, that God had said, I'm taking care of him, he's going to be okay. Well, a little while later, of course, we bring him home, take care of him, and I was telling Terry, you know, about that, uh, the doctor's calls, and that he wasn't going to make it, and he said, who did you, who did you call? Did you call the prayer chain and everybody you knew to pray for me? And I'm like, nope, I didn't call a person. Because God said yeah. that he's got this. I said, why would I want my kids to worry? You know, my daughter in California would have been totally beside herself. Uh, even my son, or our son. But God gave me that faith from day one that everything was going to be okay. Right. And it was. And we stand here today totally cancer-free. Yes. And we just praise him and thank him for the faith that he gave us during that time. You know, there was a time when we, we started this battle and we were in, one of the Christian doctors told us, you know, he, he taught me a lot about cancer and he's like, I want you to pray like this, pray very specifically. And we were, we were praying very specific against cancer cells and you know, saying you you gotta die. We re, we, uh, what's the word? We uh, reject you. We evict you. You can't stay in my body. You can't be here anymore. And we started praying very specific. And we were like just praying, 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 breaking, warring, warring over this. And it, without even really any planning or anything, just one day we got up and we're praying, and we just we just started, we just started thanking God for healing. We moved from all of that because it was already done in the heavenlies. There was no physical evidence. There was not one sign of physical evidence of my healing. Not one. 
But we started praising God, thanking Him for healing. And we just moved from there on, and still to this day, we just thank God for healing for that. And so we moved into that, that crossed over. It's like it's already done. It may not be manifest yet, but it's done. It's a simple thing for our God. It's such a simple thing for Him. So as we close today, I want to thank you, Denise. So as we close today, I want to uh, I want to have some time to pray with you guys. Uh, I know that God's going to heal some people today. How do I know that? Because He showed me. He He already revealed it to me that He's going to heal some people, and He's still He's willing and He's able, and He's ready to touch your life today. And you know, it's not about us like uh, whipping ourselves into a frenzy. It's not like, it's just asking Jesus, Jesus, would you come? Would you come touch us? Would you come heal today? The other thing I want to make sure of, and, and um, she told you of that day that the doctors you know, called her and said, said, you know, don't think he's going to make it. And I had a choice that day. There was a moment that... Uh, that that was everything had led to that moment where uh, I had the Holy Spirit it revealed to me and said, all, all I have to do to be with Jesus in a few moments is to stop fighting. You know, I was fighting to breathe. I was fighting to do everything. I couldn't get enough air. I couldn't, my heart was, felt like it was all such a battle. It was so intense and it felt like it was going forever. And I didn't actually see Jesus, but I knew Jesus was right over there by my hospital bed. He was right there. And it was the most inviting, peaceful thing in the world. It's like in a few moments I could be with him. That's for me, it was inviting and peaceful because I have lived my life right with God. You know, if you're here this morning and you're like, you know, I don't know when I die, I don't, I'm not really sure if I'm in right relationship or what that might be. We've got great news for you. You can make sure today. You can make sure. All you need to do is, is ask Jesus to, to come into your life, repent of your sins, ABC, admit, believe, and confess. Just commit your life to Christ. So I'm going to give an opportunity for that before we go any further. Anybody here today say, you know what, I'm... I'm not really sure of what's going to happen to me after I die. I want to know today that I'm, that I'm going to make it to heaven when I pass. The Bible says it's appointed unto men for every one of us to die. Every, someday, Lord tarries, every single one of us is going to, going to pass away. He's going to stand before him in judgment. So is anybody here today? So would you pray with me, Terry, Pastor Terry? Would you pray with me? Any, would you raise your hand, get my wave at me, get my attention? Anybody? I'm going to give you a minute to respond. Anybody? I'd love to pray with you. Anybody? If you're online, I don't want to leave out the online audience. You're, you're listening to all this and you go, I'm not really sure. I just don't know. I don't know about all this. I'm not really sure. Well, all you got to do is pray a prayer, something like this. Would you just join me in a prayer? Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Today, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. 
I, I admit that I'm a sinner. I come to you and ask for forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and you rose again and you defeated death so that someday I can be in heaven with you. And Lord, I, today I lay all of my desires, all of myself down at your feet and I ask you to be the Lord of my life from this moment forward. So if you prayed that prayer and you, you need to contact this church, you need to contact your pastor, you need to tell him, I don't know what camera, where you're at, sorry. Uh, you need to contact them and you need to have them help you walk through this new journey that you might be on. And the other thing is if you're here today, and I'll, and I'll just, just throw this out and I'll turn it back to pastor. If you're here today and you would like somebody to stand in faith with you and agree in prayer for something, whatever that thing is that you might have that seems impossible, that's just like totally above your ability and God's willing and he's able to take care of it. If you have something you want to, uh, you'd like somebody to pray with you about, I would love to do that. So Deneen and I would love to, as we wrap up here, we, we will make ourselves available for that. Pastor, thank you so much for letting me come and share my t story. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.